Hello and Happy New Year and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here and you're about to hear a message I gave on Sunday morning, January 2nd, 2021 from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 2. Through the Advent season, we've been talking about uh, Christmas ornaments. And I don't mean, when I say Christmas ornaments, not the things you uh, hang on your tree or put on the mantle at Christmas. Uh, No, this is the original meaning of the word ornament, which was like an accessory, a thing that goes with another thing, some equipment, something for use or adornment. Uh, We're talking about the trappings and the trinkets of the original Christmas and what they can tell us about Jesus and why he came. We've talked about the swaddling clothes and the stable and the manger and the star. And today we're going to talk about the two turtle doves, which is like, as far as I can tell, it's the only thing from that song, the 12 days of Christmas that actually comes from the Christmas story. I don't think when you read through like Luke chapter two, you don't find like, you know, uh, swans a swimming or lords a leaping or anything like that. I think the rest of the the, you know, the turtle doves is in there. The rest of it, it's kind of like a, it reads like a, like a medieval pyramid scheme or something like that. It's a really, it's not a bad band name, but like, it's just a, it's just a weird little song. Anyway, the turtle doves is really in the story. This is uh, Luke chapter two. Um, let's see if I can find my place here. Here we go. This is verse 22. Um, which you might be wondering, like, why are we still talking about Christmas? Christmas is over. In fact, Christmas is over, New Year's is over, we're now firmly in the national holiday of Nora's birthday, which is, yes, so the holidays are almost all over, but yeah, so what I would say is, it is a technicality, this is a Christmas story, but it takes place after Christmas, so it's okay for us to talk about this after Christmas. In fact, this took place 41 days after the first Christmas. Here we go, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses... Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. That's from Exodus chapter 13. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. That is from Leviticus chapter 12. We'll break all that down in a little bit. Suffice it to say, they go to the temple and they have like a, like a, a twofer sacrifice. There's a, they're consecrating the baby Jesus to the Lord and they're doing this uh, purification for Mary. This is a buy one, get one uh, sacrifice kind of deal. Um, but that's, that's what we're talking about here. That's the, that's the whole thing right there. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you that the last thing that we all sang together right then at the very beginning of a brand new year is you are my king, Jesus, you are my king. What a great way to start the year. So thankful for that time of singing. And now as we move into this time, I'm praying that you would open our hearts to receive what you have for us. Don't let us be defensive. Let us be receivers and help me to be clear and kind. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay. Does anybody want some good news? To start 22, good. All right, I'm going to need you to help me this morning because there are fewer of us here, which means that you have to be louder with your amens. You have to be more, you know, generous with those bad boys. Just, just let them fly. Let, let them, let them happen. If something happens in this message that you agree with, just let it roll. Um, thank you, Steve. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Even the fist bump. I'm there. Mm, I'm ready to go already. Here we go. Okay, so. Luke chapter two, so what happens is the the baby Jesus is born and then there's this 
this thing that happens, um, yeah, okay, uh, uh, Exodus 13, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. Just like that dude belongs to the Lord. So they would have a special ceremony that they would do at the temple for every firstborn male. This dude belongs to God, period. And they would have this, this animal sacrifice to go through this whole ritual uh, signifying this. Also, in Leviticus chapter 12, we find out there's another little thing, which is um, whenever a woman has a baby, she is ceremonially unclean for a period of seven days. So she can't go to the temple to worship and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, it's one, and it's one of those things where you're like, I don't understand a lot of the ceremonial rituals and rites, the, the things that they would do. But it makes sense that they're like, look, you've just had a baby, take some time. And then there's this weird little wrinkle, though, in, in this particular thing in Leviticus 12, because... Whenever somebody had some thing that happened and they were ceremonially unclean, like they couldn't go to the temple to worship or synagogue or whatever, or have people over, whatever the thing was, as soon as that time period was over, they could do the sacrifice and then it was all of it was lifted. There was no more like religious or, or social quarantine. Every, everything was open and all good. But there's a wrinkle in this one. When a woman has a baby, she's ceremonially unclean for seven days. But Leviticus chapter 12 says on the eighth day, if it's, a, if it's a baby boy, the boy is to be circumcised. And then after that, that was a big thing for God's people, for the Jewish people. And then after that, she was to take 33 more days and then she could offer the sacrifice of atonement and, and everything was back on. She could go back to church. She could go have people over the whole thing. And I was like, wait a minute, she's just done this amazing thing. Why are we saying, hey, you stay over there for like 41 days or whatever. There's a seven days of unclean and then there's the day of the circumcision and 33 more days before you can actually offer the sacrifice and then come back in. And I'm like, why are we uh, holding this lady at arm's length? And then I thought about it um, and I thought, and I don't know, I'm, I'm, I may be going out of limb here, so bear with me. But I think this may be the very first codified maternity leave in the history of the world. Isn't that cool? It's just a really kind thing. Sometimes, and I think this is a good just general rule of thumb, when you're reading through the scriptures and you don't understand something, it's confusing or maybe even upsetting to you, take a beat and ask, what would be merciful in this? What would be kind in this? What's the wrinkle that I don't see here that would be cool? And so I look at this and I'm like, man, this is like a, there are jobs to this day where a woman does not get paid maternity leave for 41 days, right? I mean, this is some good stuff here. Way, way back in Leviticus chapter 12, just take a while. You don't need to be having people over and hosting people right now. You don't have to be getting yourself ready for church. And I just think that's a really kind thing. So 41 days later, Mary and Joseph take the baby Jesus to the temple and they offer the sacrifice. Okay, so before we break this down any further, I want to talk for a minute about why we know this at all. We know this because it's in the Gospel of Luke, obviously, but the reason that we have the Gospel of Luke is really, really interesting because Luke was not a Jewish person. He was a Gentile. He was an outsider. He was not part of God's family, the Israelites. And so you're like, why does Luke know all this stuff? Why did he write this book if he's not one of the Israelites or the Jewish, everybody else that wrote the scriptures was a Jewish person, was one of God's people, except this dude. And he wrote probably the most chapters in the New Testament, depending on who wrote the book of Hebrews, which we don't know. But anyway, not to get too far down in the weeds, why does this guy 
write this book, being an outsider, being a Gentile, being somebody that's not part of God's people. And why does he throw in this little wrinkle about the sacrifice being of two young pigeons or two doves? Okay. Luke was a guy that probably was from the city of Troas, okay, out there in, you know, not, not part of the Israelites or anything like that. And when the apostle Paul came to know Jesus, and then, you know, he sat on the bench for a while because he needed to take a time out. And then he started spreading the news of Jesus everywhere. And when he started spreading the news of Jesus everywhere, he at some point was in the city of Troas with him and his little dudes, and he's preaching about Jesus. And this Greek kid named Luke, who was a physician, was like, that sounds awesome. Yes, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Not only that, can I hang out with y'all? And Paul's like, actually, probably be good to have a doctor on site. So like, let's do this. Hang out with me. And he starts following along. Now, at a certain point, that whole crew went back into Israel and Paul got put on house arrest for two years around Caesarea Philippi. Now, all of a sudden, Luke, who's like, He's new in the Lord, he's young in the faith and all this kind of stuff, and he's just following Paul around. But now Paul's in house arrest, and he's like, what am I supposed to do for however long this is going to last, two years? Like, what am I going to do? And so he's like, I know what I'll do. I'll go on, like, research trips while we're here in Israel, and I'll meet everybody I can who ever met Jesus, and I'm going to write down everything. And so he just started doing this research project like primary source interviews and just writing down all the Jesus stories he could. At a certain point, and this is so cool, he met Mary, the mother of Jesus. And he sat down with her one-on-one -on -one, and she told him all this stuff. That's why we have certain little wrinkles like that part where it says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Who would know that except her? That's why we know. Anyway, so Luke, the Gospel of Luke is, is Luke volume one. And if you don't know this, the book of Acts, that's actually Luke volume two. So he interviewed so many people that he's finding out all this stuff and not only all this stuff about Jesus, but after Jesus died and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and then the apostles start going out and they, they're, people are meeting Jesus and churches are starting all over the place and Paul's going on these journeys, Peter's going on journeys. And he's writing all of it down. So he wrote uh, Luke and Acts. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the start of the church. Maybe he wanted to call it like, you know, Luke 2 or, you know, Return of the Luke or <laughs> the Luke Pyre Strikes Back. I don't know. But at some point they decided we're going to call it Acts. Like this is, this, like, in other words, like the apostles, this is what they did. This is how the church got started. So... But that's why we know all this beautiful stuff from Mary in Luke chapter 2. That's why we know about Gabriel and the song that Mary sang and Elizabeth and Zechariah and all those things. Luke interviewed these people. And so I've been imagining, I don't know, okay, so we're back out on a limb here, but hang with me. I don't know, but I'm imagining this conversation, this interview between Luke and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and she's talking about Gabriel and she's talking about going to Bethlehem and she's talking about the manger and the stable and the whole thing. And she's talking about the baby being born and then the shepherds coming to visit and the, the song of the shepherds that they told her about and pondering all these things and wondering about them in her heart, treasuring them all up and everything. And then she's like, oh, yeah. And then there's, you know, I mean, you're not a you're not a Jewish person, but, you know, at eight days 
we do this circumcision thing. As Paul told you about that, and Luke's like, yeah, he's told, let's, let's not talk about it anymore. He's like, okay, well, we do that. And then, even though the time of my ceremonial, like, uncleanness, like, do you know about sacrifices, Tim? And he's like, yeah, some. And she's like, okay, well, let me just break this down for you. It's hard to understand, but our God is holy. Do you know what that word means? And Luke's like, sort of, I, I guess. It just basically means he's different. He's different than us. He's different than you. And he's different at levels you can't possibly understand. Like if we, if human beings were going to have a relationship with God, we can't even understand how far we've been separated from him because of how messed up we are and how the wrong stuff we thought and done and said through our whole lives. We just can't even fathom the chasm there is between us. And we wouldn't know what to do about it except that God even though he's so holy, so different, so special and amazing and mysterious, he has revealed some stuff to us, things we could do so that we could have a relationship with him. That's what the temple is about. That's what all those animal sacrifices are about. Like we're so far separated from God that the only thing that could even get us on the playing field is, is if an innocent spilled their blood in our place, like took our place, died for us and spilled blood for us. And Luke's going, oh, okay. Yeah, Paul's talked about this. That's making a lot of sense. And she's like, yeah. I mean, some stuff about him that's just so different. I mean, we don't even understand it. Like, you know, there's the whole thing about how, like, we can't wear a shirt that's made out of two different kinds of cloth. And Luke's like, why? Like, I love my cotton polyfiber blend. Like, <laughs> you know, like, whatever it is, like flax and bamboo, like whatever they're making stuff out of these days, you mix it all up, it all works. And she's like, no, no, no. We and, and Luke's like, why? And she's like, I don't know. This is what I'm saying. He's just different. Like he's mysterious. You can't understand him. He just reveals stuff to us. Like, like for a while, we were not able to eat any shellfish or pork. And Luke's like, I'm out, out. Like, another religion? Make an offer. Because my thing is, look, like, if you can't eat the food that Steve Douglas makes for the church potluck, I'm out. I want that bacon-wrapped shrimp, baby. You know, like, so, but, but Mary, amen, thank you. That's it. I was waiting for an amen. It's like bacon-wrapped shrimp. If you can't get an amen on bacon-wrapped shrimp, we're in trouble. But, you know, but maybe Mary told him, yeah, but this one time Jesus was preaching and he said this thing and... And all of a sudden, uh, he declared all foods clean. And Luke's like, wow. And he's, she's like, yeah. Anyway, so we have to bring these sacrifices to get on the playing field with God. And we don't understand them all, but an innocent has to shed blood for us. It's just, we've just been so far separated. We're just not enough to be in this relationship. So he made a way for us to be enough. And Luke's like, wow. And he's writing it all down and stuff. And she's like, yeah. So my ceremonial uncleanness, it ends after seven days, but I got like 33 more days to not have to go to church or not have people over for dinner and everything. It was pretty awesome. We call it maternity leave. It's a whole thing. And Luke's like, wow, we've never even heard about this in Troas, you know? And so he's writing everything down. And she says, when well, we have to have this ceremony, and it was a twofer, you know, like you consecrate the firstborn son to the Lord. And at the same ceremony, I get covered. And like, and Luke's like, oh, so this is like an animal sacrifice, like an innocent sheds its blood for you so that you can be in a relationship with God. So you and God can be all right. She's like, you're catching on, baby. And he's like, so like a lamb or something. And she's like, well, um, not exactly. Why? 
Well, she's like, well, actually, if you read Leviticus 12, it's supposed to be a lamb. Like, that's what it's supposed to be. But we, me and Joseph didn't do the lamb thing. We did like a couple of turtle doves. And Luke's like, turtle doves, why? And she's like, oh, forget, you're not one of us. You don't know the provision. And, she's, and he's like, the provision for what? Well, she said, okay, in, Luke chapter, or in Leviticus chapter 12, if you don't have the scratch for a lamb, if you're too broke to bring a lamb, God made a provision for poor people. And me and Joseph, like, dude, we were baroque. Like, not just broke, baroque. There's like a pause in there. That's how broke we were. And he, the provision was, if you don't have enough for a lamb, you could just bring a couple of pigeons or turtle doves. In a way, what we did was like, like, the lamb was already a substitute for me. Like, I'm not enough to get in this relationship. The lamb would have been a substitute, but because I was so broke, like, I had to have a substitute for my substitute. God made a way for there to be, like, a double sub, like a double substitute. Like, I'm not enough for the thing I'm not enough for. I'm spiritually poor. I'm worldly poor. I just, but God made a way. And so... An innocent spilled its blood. We brought the turtle doves. They, the priest killed the doves. They bled for us. And all of a sudden, I'm on the playing field. God and I are all right. And it worked. And Luke's like writing all this down. And by the way, that's why we have this one little detail. The two turtle doves. That's why we have that there. Because she told him that. Because he wouldn't have known. Because he's not even one of those people. So she had to break all that down. We're not enough for this relationship, so there had to be a substitute, but actually we had a double substitute. So he's writing it all down. And the, the birds spilled their blood, and it worked. Except it didn't work. And for that, we're going to turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. Um, this is what Hebrews chapter 10 says. The law, including all those sacrifices and all that stuff, the law is only a shadow of the good things to come, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have had been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. Ugh. Because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats and pigeons to take away sins. So it didn't work. All that stuff, the double substitute, the buy one, get one free. I mean, Mary's sacrifice that she offered to cover for herself, it was like, it wasn't even like shopping at five and below. It was like the clearance rack at five and below. And she's like, and it worked. And it really didn't because those things didn't work. They were just a shadow of the realities, not the realities themselves. So the writer of Hebrews goes on. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, and this is trippy because you know, when Christ came into the world, he was a baby. He wasn't saying anything. He was crying like Jude is when he's hungry. Like, he wasn't talking. But somehow, the Christ, as an infant, in his little baby mind, in his little baby heart, was thinking the words of this old psalm, this old prophecy. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said... Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. 
Jesus in the manger, swaddled up, somehow, can't explain it to you, in his baby heart and mind, was thinking the prophetic words of that old psalm. You didn't want the sacrifices and offerings. They didn't work. The blood of bulls and goats, none of it worked. But you have prepared a body for me. I'm in it. I'm here. I'm here to do your will. That's why he came. That's why John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God. And that's good news. Amen? Because when Jesus paid, when he laid his life down on the cross, when he spilled his blood, it was not only enough, it was enough in ways we can't imagine. Like as, as incomprehensible as the chasm was between us and God to where we can't even imagine how holy he is, how different he is, and what it would take for us to be in a relationship, we can't even imagine it. He would just have to reveal it to us and we would have to try to do stuff. As wide as that chasm is, it's nothing, nothing compared to the closeness that has been achieved by the blood of Jesus. You can't even imagine. Like if before, you know that feeling you have when you're in a relationship with somebody and you can just feel, you can just kind of, like you can feel that things are not right with you? Like it feels like, it feels like that feeling when like you walk up in the house and you're like, what's that smell? Or like, you find, like, you find some old like, laundry you forgot to transfer from the, from the washer into the dryer, and you open up the lid, and you're like, oh, gosh. Like, there's just a smell in the room, in a relationship. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm not the only person that has that. Come on now. Like, you can just smell a smell in the relationship. There's something that's not right in between us. What do I have to do to get back to close? What do I have to do to make it okay again? I'll do anything, especially if you really, really love that person. Here's the thing that we can't even imagine. With Jesus, because he paid for you, you don't have to do anything ever again. Amen? You can't fathom how close you are to him. And that's really good news. It's better news on January 2nd. And here's why it's better news on January 2nd. Because everybody you know, and plenty of us in this room, okay, Everybody, somebody on your timeline, Facebook feed or Instagram, whatever today is going to tell you all about their New Year's resolution they're going to do this year. They're going to give you their before pictures. And you know what I say? Let me know if you're going to do that so I can skip, skip your profile for a while because I don't want to know about it. It's good news on January 2nd to find out I don't have to do anything to be good with me and God. Amen. I don't have to do anything. We are good. We are golden grams. Like we ha I have no idea how close we are because of what he's done. Hebrews 12 says it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. The joy set before him was a friendship with you. It's all he wants is to be close to you. And he's paid for it and it worked and you're good. And it's not because, it's not one of those things of like, I'm not enough, so I need the thing that I'm not even not enough for and in ways I don't even understand. No, because you were the joy set before him, here's what you are. You are enough. You were worth the blood of God. Guys, that's your identity going into a brand new year. I am so enough that I was worth the shedding of the blood of God. Come on, that's good news now. It's really, really good news because people around you are going to tell you about the weight they're going to lose this year and the money they're going to make this year and how much they're going to be on the grind and all that. There's going to be hashtags involved. There's going to be before and after pictures and all that stuff. OK, and here's what I'm saying. I don't want to go on the record saying I'm against New Year's resolutions because I'm not. I think 
there are some, and there are some situations where people for their health and for some things going on in their life, they need to get some strategies, they need to get some tactics, and they need to make some changes. And I'm all for that, I support that, especially done in a really, really healthy way. Here's my thing about resolutions, okay? Here's the big deal. Why? Why are you doing it? And do you know why? Do you know why you need to start, start eating differently? Do you know why you need to make some more money or sell some more whatevers this year? Do you know why you need to try this workout? Do you know why? Because if in that why there's any hint of your personal identity, because I have to change something about me in order to be better, don't do it. Don't do it. Run as fast as you can away from that thing. Amen? Because here's your identity. You are more than enough and you were worth the blood of God. Game over. That's your identity. We're not getting better than that. Now, if there's some healthy thing in your life, if it will be a healthy change, you need to make a change, great. That's awesome. Don't put it on Instagram. Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. That's great. But if the why question has to do with your identity, you might get thinner and that'd be great, but you won't get better. You're as good as you can be, guys. You're as good as you can be right now. You might get some more money. You're not going to get better. You're as good as you can be right now. You were worth the blood of God. And you can't imagine, imagine how close you and he are. There's a thing that happens with people where they look at their relationship with God and they're like, you know, it's not where it's supposed to be. And they think about that on January 1st and 2nd, the way they think about, you know, whatever it is, keto or, you know, being on that grind or whatever it is. They just think like, if I put more into this relationship this year, you know, if I, if I give myself to church and worship and if I give myself to reading my Bible and serving in some ministry or giving my life away, then we'll be better. No, you won't. You won't. You're as good as you can be right now. You can't imagine how close you are. Turn your attention to him. Just turn your heart to him. He's so excited. He's like a dog wagging his tail. He loves you. He paid for you. All that is over. You're as close as you can be. Amen? So, so what are you saying? Like, don't give yourself to worship or reading your Bible or giving. No, I mean, I think Jesus has some stuff for you to do this year. I think he would tell you to don't do some stuff. I think you ask Jesus some things like, hey, Jesus, like, what should I not do? He would say, you need to don't do this. And I know that's not grammatically correct. I just like it. <laughs> you need to don't do this. And here's my thing. And he might say to you, you need to go and do this this year. But here's the really, really important key. None of that is to make your relationship with him closer. You can't pay for that. You can't make that closer. He already did everything that was needed to make that as close as it can be. Here's a really important thing to remember as you go into this year. If Jesus says don't, he's saying don't hurt yourself. If Jesus says don't, he's saying don't hurt yourself. If Jesus is saying go and do, he's saying go and find some more life, some more joy, some more fulfillment. He's not saying don't because I want us to be closer. He's not saying go because that will make our relationship more secure. Mm -mm. Your relationship with Jesus is completely locked down and secure. He paid the blood of God. If he's saying don't, he's saying don't hurt yourself. If he's saying go, he's saying go and find more fulfillment. I thought of one resolution that I thought would be good. Don't put it on Instagram, but if you want to try one, here's an okay one. Um, set yourself throughout the day a grace break. Just set a random alarm on your phone, and when it goes off, stop whatever you're doing, collect yourself, and have a grace break. Here's what a grace break is. 
My relationship with Jesus, I didn't make it. I can't break it. I'm going to enjoy it. Wouldn't that be cool? Set a random alarm. Stop everything you're doing. My relationship with Jesus, I didn't make it. You didn't have anything to do with this. You may have said yes to a gift that somebody gave you. That's about it. And if you want to call that something you did, good luck with that. You didn't make this relationship. You can't break it. So enjoy it. I think the number one word I would like to speak over all of us in our spiritual lives this year is the word relax. You are not in a race with anybody. You are not in a competition with anybody. You are not going to lose this relationship. All, if, he, if he wants you to give yourself to worship and to prayer more this year, it's because he's got something he wants you to enjoy in those things. If he wants you to give yourself to reading the scriptures more this year, it's not so that you're going to fix your relationship with him. It's because he's got some really encouraging stuff in here. And by the way, he might have something to tell you that he's the only one courageous enough to tell you. That's okay too. That's part of a relationship. That's part of an honest relationship. If he's asking you to give your life away in some way to serve him this year, it's not to fix or repair your relationship with him. It's because he's got something beautiful for you, stories you couldn't imagine, relationships you couldn't help but love. I think this year needs to be about relax and enjoy it. He's paid. I've had all the substitute I needed. I am more than enough because I was worth the shedding of the blood of God because I was the joy set before him. Amen? Amen. Enjoy it. Relax. You're not in a race. You're not being judged. You're not being measured. None of that stuff. And everything he offers is something to enjoy, something to learn from, some way to get healthier and better. Amen? Lord Jesus, thanks for this morning. Thanks for... The time that we've had together, I was thinking about when we were at Dollywood the other day and we were standing in line for the lightning rod and we kept watching all those people with fast pass go, go ahead of us. And I was like, great, just because you had 80 bucks. You get to get on here before me. And I think so many people think about their relationship with you in that way, that there's people that have a fast pass. The truth is you paid with your blood. And so we are so close, we can't possibly imagine it the double substitute. You consecrated yourself to God. You covered me. We are so thankful. Help us this year to relax and enjoy what you're giving us. Thank you. It's in your name. I was lost. I was aimless. I was broken. I was hopeless. I was hurt. I was lonely, thinking of myself only, but Jesus made me His own, and I'm righteous, forgiven, I'm totally clean, I'm headed to heaven, a child of the King. Jesus died, he spilled his own blood
gave his life out of his love And now I am his own I'm righteous, forgiven, I'm totally clean I'm headed to heaven, a child of the King I'll never be judged or condemned or Dead. My life showed it I needed hope And didn't know it But now I live Now I'm set free Now I can Be a new me